Portland is on pace to hit 100 homicides this year, an unprecedented tide of violence that many other cities also are facing. Last week, the city council unanimously acted, funneling millions to violence prevention groups and creating a new police unit. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, City Hall reporter Shane Dixon-Kavanaugh and Cops and Courts reporter Maxine Bernstein talk about Portland's new plan to tackle gun violence without boosting spending on police. We discussed how the deal came about, how it compares to the Portland Police Bureau's gun violence reduction team disbanded last year, what the money will allow these groups to do, and much more. Here's our conversation. Shane Dixon Kavanaugh, Max Bernstein, thanks so much for taking time to talk today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back on your podcast, Andrew. So, Shane, longtime City Hall observers know it's extremely unusual for the council to vote on something of consequence without hours of public testimony. How did we get to the point last week where that happened on a big gun violence prevention plan? Well, as uh, you're aware, Andrew, that... uh, the council has been discussing sort of a strategy and approach toward tackling uh, sort of a record number of shootings and homicides in Portland over the last year. And uh, the mayor, Ted Wheeler, had come out with a proposal of his own that was largely police focused to sort of tackle the surgeon. Uh, shootings back uh, last month in March. However, uh, he didn't really sort of uh, inform his council colleagues that he was coming out with this proposal. Mm -hmm. It got some blowback from his colleagues. They came up with a counter proposal that they were quietly discussing with the mayor until we reported on it last week. And then sort of after that, everything kind of came together quite rapidly Uh, And if you ask members of the city council, the mayor and the commissioners, they would tell you that because we are dealing with a life or death situation here, that there was an urgent demand to do something immediately. And the soonest they could do it was on Wednesday. And so they did. Max, um, can you kind of unpack what exactly this plan for this new um the police side of the equation, what what are they going to be doing to try to prevent gun violence? And how is this different than the gun violence reduction team that was eliminated uh, back in 2020? Well, the big difference is uh, the police bureau wants to bring back a uniformed team of officers that would be proactively patrolling the streets and working with investigators to identify those who are most involved in the shootings, try to identify, try to deter uh, further shootings by uh, having a uniform presence in hot spot areas where shootings have occurred. Um, That was in place for years under the gun violence uh, reduction team and The city council last summer disbanded it, uh, concerned about the disproportionate number of stops of people of color. And uh, under this new proposal, and this was part of a proposal that the police chief, Chuck Lavelle, had actually presented to the mayor in December 
December mm-hmm. 23rd, he had a whole proposed written plan. It took uh, until March before Mayor Wheeler proposed it publicly. And shortly after that, the rest of the city commissioners um, did not support uh, providing any additional $2 million funding for this team. But the big difference is that the Bureau has tried to assure city officials that now there would be a community oversight committee that would be involved from the get-go and sort of monitor and set parameters for how police will uh, do their work and also closely track their arrests and stops. So Shane, um, as you reported, the, there's you know $4 million, which is a, a big investment for these community groups to um to, to help prevent gun violence. But like, what exactly does that mean? How, how will this money help those organizations? And uh, do they think they can do it more effectively than, than the police can? So in this city, there's a small office uh, that's called the office of violence prevention. And they are the uh, agency that contracts with outside community based groups that focus on uh, individuals and neighborhoods and communities that are most impacted by uh, violent crime and gun violence in particular. And the city has uh, has a history of working closely with these neighborhood groups and these community groups that also uh, are uh, interact and are involved with law enforcement as well. But these organizations uh, are primarily funded by uh, grant, you know, uh, city money, grants and contracts and and, and things of that nature. And these uh, organizations work closely on the ground with individuals uh, who might be the likely targets of uh, gun violence or might also uh, wind up being the perpetrators and So they attempt to try to stop the retaliatory nature of a lot of shootings in Portland. So somebody gets shot and then uh, individuals retaliate and somebody else gets shot. This can go back and forth for months or even years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these organizations uh, try to get involved uh, to sort of break that cycle of violence that can, you know, span the entire city and can span months and even years. Do we know what what this uh, money will will allow these groups to do? Is it just more more people to to do just what you you mentioned? Well, so the, yeah, so the four million dollars is a substantial amount of money uh, from the city. Uh, just to give you an idea, the requested budget from the Office of Violence and Prevention for next year to give out grants and contracts for this kind of work was just about a million dollars. And this is an immediate $4 million bump above that. So this is quadruple what the office usually spends in a year for this kind of work. So it's a significant infusion of cash. It's going to go primarily to organizations that already contract with the city to do this kind of work. So the idea is to augment those services, you know, by a factor of four. So these are services that are already there and they're not having to stand up something new. Correct. I mean, most of the money is going to be geared toward organizations that already have contracts with the city, but there is a provision in the ordinance that allows for there to be 
some additional money that will be directed toward uh, groups or organizations that are not as well sort of established. And this will give them the opportunity to sort of build themselves up to do this kind of work as well. So Max, can you kind of set the stage for, um, I know you mentioned December, that is when uh, Chief Lavelle was discussing this plan, but, you know, obviously Portland and the nation have seen increased gun violence. I mean, what's the situation in our city now and and who, who who's bearing the brunt of the violence uh, in Portland? So, so far this year, there have been 25 homicides, of which 18 have resulted from shootings. And there have been at least 284 shooting calls with 91 people injured. And that compares to last year was uh, a record number of homicides in 2020 of 55, which was the highest in 26 years. And if um, the shootings stay on the pace that they have been in the last uh, the first quarter of this year, the city's on track to reach a record of 100 homicides, which would be far above the city's peak uh, homicides of 70 in 1987. And last year, the, the highest year of homicides in some 26 years, nearly half of the victims were people of color. Mm. So there's, you know, great concern that this year is is unprecedented so far and something has to be done. And um, Portland, you know, is not alone in the uh, increase in the murder rate. Um, major cities across the country have also seen a spike in killings during the past year, and uh, criminologists cite a range of reasons, whether it's because of the isolation caused by the pandemic or, um, you know, schools have been closed and kids and youth, um, a lot of their programs, social programs or sports activities have been canceled um, and the economic uh, struggles of people during the pandemic. These are all you know, factors that are likely contributing. And, and as well here in Portland, um, there's fewer police. Uh, officers are, are leaving uh, in record numbers from the Bureau, also because of uh, numerous factors. Um, and the Bureau is struggling to realign the staffing to address the problem. Um, what, you know, in an ideal world, Max, from a policing perspective, what, what does a team dedicated to gun violence prevention do? Are they, you know, you think of, you know, procedural dramas like, um, you know, David Simon's homicide or whatever, are they clearing murder cases? I mean, what, what exactly are they doing? Are they out there in the community? Can you give a sense of what, what that's supposed to look like? Sure. Um, so homicide detectives generally are the ones who are front and center on, on the killings, uh, on you know, when there's someone who's uh, deceased. But uh, they work closely in the past, at least over the past several decades, they've worked closely with uh, focused officers who are focused on uh, trying to get to know who are the most, um, the the players who are causing most of the violence and trying to intervene, trying, you know, on the streets, speaking with them, getting to know their families, working closely with street 
outreach workers to intervene and try to um, try to sort of intercept the cycle of violence. And uh, both in uniform are usually complemented with a team of uh, investigators, detectives who are working closely with the intelligence that the uniformed officers are obtaining to uh, develop cases against people to just to take guns away from, you know, kids, teens, young men who shouldn't be carrying them might be felons and to prepare search warrants to, um, you know, identify if there are certain um, individuals uh, that uh, they're targeting for certain charges uh, related to shootings and trying to recover firearms. Um, And in the past, there's been these teams, whether it was the gang enforcement team, then the gun violence uh, reduction team that have had a combination of uniformed officers who are out on the street really trying to get to know the players and interact with them and try to dissuade further violence, um, who are working with investigators and working with street outreach workers and and community organizations like the ones that are in place now but don't have enough funding, such as Healing Hurt People, which sends uh, outreach worker into the hospitals right away to contact victims of shootings and to speak with family and try to intervene at that juncture. So it, I think police recognize that, you know, they can't, they can't make a difference themselves. They got to work with community partners, but you know, there over the years, there's been great criticism for the disproportionate number of stops of people of color by, by this uh, former team. Shane, I want to go back to the political equation here. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, why did Commissioner Hardesty and Commissioners Rubio and, and Ryan and Maps, uh, why did they compromise here uh, with, with the mayor? It seemed like they were all in agreement. Well, uh, first, and I think we've talked about this previously, Andrew, that this council uh, in particular with the commissioners and the mayor have really tried to uh, sort of set a tone that's been different from councils past where they are really making an effort to be more collaborative, to work collectively, to come up with solutions to uh, big policy questions in the city. And uh, I think ultimately, even though the proposal that the mayor had put forward was very different from the kind of counter proposal offered by Commissioners Rubio, Ryan, and Maps, uh, they were all sort of in agreement that there uh, needed to be sort of a comprehensive and expansive approach to tackling gun violence in the city, and that uh, community organizations alone uh, couldn't do it, and neither could the police by themselves. Now, sort of the uh, line that the uh, city commissioners had drawn was that they weren't opposed necessarily to having a uh, police unit work these types of cases and work to try to reduce the levels of shootings in in Portland. They just didn't want to provide more money to the Portland Police Bureau to do that. And that was sort of the centerpiece of the mayor's initial proposal was to uh, offer this uh, uh, infusion of one-time funding, about $2 million dollars 
to uh, to sort of recreate this proactive policing unit that was focused on gun crimes. And what the sort of uh, compromise agreement here was that there wasn't going to be any more money for police. So that's the most significant thing with this uh, proposal that was voted on, is that there's not a single new penny going to the Portland Police Bureau. The way in which they are coming up with the officers for uh, this, uh, they're, they're calling it the focused intervention team, is that they're reassigning officers uh, within the Bureau to comprise this team. It's going to be 12 officers and two sergeants. The challenge here, of course, is that uh, the Bureau is already extremely short-staffed in terms of numbers of uh, patrol persons and sworn officers. So they're really uh, going to have uh, to make some tough choices in terms of how they're going to reassign within the Bureau because they're going to take officers who are working other kinds of cases and focused on other types of crime uh, to, uh, to, to start uh, trying to tackle gun violence. Well, let's take a break and then we can talk a little bit more about those trade-offs. So, Max, do we know what the police won't be doing that they are currently doing as a result of shifting resources to this new team? Well, the chief, uh, chief Chuck Lavelle was clear yesterday that he's having to shift resources away from investigating property crime to crimes against persons, um, shootings and homicides. What he didn't know exactly is where these officers um, will come from for this new so-called focused intervention team. Mm-hmm. The deputy chief did tentatively identify areas that might be impacted, and he identified those as domestic violence and human trafficking uh, cases that officers in those units might be pulled to fill this uh, new focused intervention team, as well as using overtime to help support their work. We haven't talked at all, Max, about uh park rangers and how they fit into this equation. You talked to a longtime park ranger, Dave Berrios, about about this uh, proposal before the ultimate vote. Um, what did he have to tell you about how those rangers viewed, you know, um, what was at one point being asked of them? Sure. Uh, Dave Barrios uh, brings a unique perspective because he's worked for 30 years as a uh, Portland cop, of which eight of those years were as a uniformed gang enforcement officer. And then after retiring, he worked. Uh, he's worked as a park ranger for 15 years. And he said, first of all, I think only about 3% of the shootings since July have been in parks. And so he pointed that out. And as well, he said the park rangers aren't trained as law enforcement officers. They are in uniform. They carry radios and pepper spray, but they're really there. Their role is to be uh, ambassadors for the city and to make uh, park users feel welcome in the parks. And there's little enforcement that occurs. He says they, you know, if there are city code violations in the parks, that park rangers can exclude people, but that's also only 
if someone volunteers their personal information to a park ranger, and that doesn't always happen. Yeah, I want to. I want to say back when I covered City Hall and Commissioner Fritz started the the smoking ban, they made it clear that park rangers wouldn't even tell people not to smoke in a park. Right? I mean, so they're they're not exactly hands on. No, no, and he's he said they're you know they're instructed to back away if there's a disturbance and call police. So what exactly? Um, how is their role going to be expanded under the the uh, agreement that the city council approved last week? They've gotten uh, another $1.4 million, I believe, to hire 24 more seasonal rangers. Um, usually they do get a boost of seasonal rangers in the summer uh, months. Um, and this is an additional boost to complement their, their staff. And the original proposal, I'm not sure if it was in the ordinance, but they wanted to create a ranger engagement team to respond the day after shooting in or near a park to support visitors. Uh, and Dave Barrios was um, shaking his head on that, saying that, you know, as an officer, when he was armed, he would approach, he felt comfortable when he knew the players approaching a group of you know, people who might be armed in a park, but as a park ranger, that's not something they feel comfortable doing. So Shane, when we look at the political equation here, I mean, who who's the big winner, if there is one, um, from, from this moment? Oh, man. I, you know... <laughs> It, uh, even though I'm certainly interested in sort of the winners and losers of politics, it's not you, uh, not a sort of primary focus of mine in my sort of day-to-day reporting. But clearly, uh, you know, I would say that uh, the three new, the three newest city commissioners, uh, Rubio, Ryan, and Maps, are the ones that had come up with a counter proposal to what the mayor had originally offered. And Rubio was kind of the central figure in bringing all of the members of the city council to the table and coming up with a plan that all five city council members, and that includes the mayor and the four commissioners, all agreed on. They unanimously voted on this. This wasn't a contentious 4-1 or 3-2 vote, all five members of the city council said, uh, we can we, we can live with this and, uh, you know, hopefully it works. I mean, that's the big question, right? Like, we are on track, as Max pointed out, to potentially have a hom- hundred homicides in Portland this year. The record in 1987 was 70. So, I mean, this is unprecedented. And the question really is, uh, is, uh, you know, this new uh, focused intervention team of police officers, four million bucks and two dozen park rangers, is that going to stop the city from seeing a record number of shootings and homicides? We don't know. I mean, but that's the question. So we can talk about who the winners and losers are in City Hall. But I think the big question is, you know, is what they came up with going to be effective? What do we know from the police perspective, Max? I mean, do they do they think this is a plan that is is going to be successful? I I think they're frustrated. I think a lot of the institutional knowledge of officers who've worked these types of cases has gone out the door. 
I think they're trying to reshuffle the chairs and, you know, I, I think they're committed to, to trying to find a solution and stem the violence and really want to work with other partners and get assistance as much as they can to target the violence. Cause it's not just Portland. It's um, also extending East into Gresham and some of the outlying areas as well. And I, I, I'm glad Shane put the focus where it should be on the people who are, who are dying. Um, and there've been a number of homicides that you've written about um, Max, where there are people who, who, were completely caught in the crosshairs of, you know, that were just innocent bystanders, which is something that happens um, a lot, but it, it seems like it's happening more. Um, and there's some really heartbreaking stories that I'm wondering if that really pushed, uh, pushed people to, to act ultimately. I, I don't know. I mean, that's been happening. Homicides were, were up last year. And, uh, you know, the chief presented this plan at the end of December, and here we are in uh, early April. Um, so I think there's a lot of frustration uh, among the people who are doing this work, among the crisis intervention workers who are called out to the scenes of shootings and meet families, distraught families, and work with them uh, and are going out to those scenes much more often. And there's frustration in the family. There was a mother at the city council uh, who addressed the city council yesterday who lost her son um, in a homicide outside the Acropolis uh, Club in uh, late February. And, yeah. you know, she said, I, she told them I wanted to stop and I wanted to be part of the solution because everybody lost that night. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of frustration and clearly an urgency to to do something and address this. Well, thank you both for your reporting on this topic and for taking time to talk about it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. I shared links to Shane and Max's coverage of Portland's new gun violence strategy in the episode notes. If you like this show, leave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the program. Or tell a friend. The best way to support our journalism is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.